Hello and welcome to the GLT podcast series with the Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends Book Club, where we talk all things teaching and learning with leading educationalists across the world. My name is Rhiannon Rainbow. And my name is Dave Tushingham. This is a place to enjoy listening to organic conversations between teachers and authors, a journey in bringing the latest evidence-based literature into the classroom. Good afternoon and welcome to the Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends GLT Book Club. This is our 37th session. My name is Rhiannon Rainbow. And I'm Dave Tushingham. And today we are reading Harry Fletcher Wood's Habits of Success, Getting Every Student Learning. Let's get stuck in. Good afternoon and welcome everybody to our 37th uh, Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends GLT Book Club session. We are absolutely thrilled to have the return of Harry Fletcherwood this afternoon to talk about his book Habits of Success, which he did speak about during our session with him last year as well. And we were hoping he would come back and we're just thrilled to bits that he's, he's he said that he would be with us today. I'm going to, as always, briefly introduce Harry, um, which I know I could wax lyrical about for quite some time, but I'm going to make sure that I try and keep it as succinct as possible because it's him you want to hear from. And then I'll hand over to Dave, who's going to once again talk about the why behind choosing this book and the specific section that we're looking at today. And then we'll hand over to Harry to hear what he has to say and then open it up to the room. And I also need to mention that not only do we have Harry joining us again for this session today, but we also have Luke Mosley, who did the takeaway for us with our session with Harry last year as well. So it's I'm, I'm thrilled to have um, that duo back with us again. So here we go. Harry, there is so much I could say about you. Um, but you you have been a history teacher, an educational researcher, and a leader of professional development, but you are now very excitedly, I hope I'm correct on this one, you're part of the Teacher Tap team as well, helping leaders better understand teachers' needs, and I am there on my app every single day answering those questions, so it's, it's just it's brilliant to know that you're part of that team as well, and what an exciting opportunity it is there. And whilst you're doing all of this, you're studying for a PhD in public policy at King's College London and writing books and everything else you do. There's so many blogs for anybody who wants to go and have a look at Harry's website, which is on our support links, but it's at improvingteaching.co.uk um, and catch him on Twitter and all of those things as well. It's absolutely cracking things that he shares and he's so open in the way that he does that with us all as well. So thank you very much for this again today. And I'm, I'm as you can tell, it, I just thrilled to bits that you're in the room, Harry. So I'm going to hand over to Dave now before I embarrass myself even more. Oh, thanks, Rhea, and I'm sure I do a good job of that as well. Um, it's uh, just one of those sessions where you have the butterflies and think about sort of some of the things that are going to be discussed in the next um, sort of half hour. hour. It's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And Harry, if I'm really honest about the reason why we chose the book, it was because of the, um, the, the previous book that you'd written and then the conversation we'd had with yourself, uh, where I just felt um, I can't describe um, a session where I feel like I've learned more than in that, in that sort of short window of time that we got to talk with you and just the opportunity to be able to discuss some of the ideas that are in this book and uh, and explore what they might look like um, further in, in our settings I think it's just incredibly exciting. Um, the um, work that you've done um, on habits of success we're already using as I was talking to you um, just before the session about um, within our academy we have been looking specifically at homework um, and so I have a particular sort of personal interest in that um, but also interested in the, the sort of more general how we get students to start um, what we what we want them to do through that learning process and, and some of the ideas um, that you have in the book they're just so um, easy to follow um, and, and the way the book sets out you can just um, sort of stop at a place where it's says it needs to be low risk or it needs to be step by step and then you could read a little bit deeper about some of those ideas and just so the way the book set out it's really easy to flip through find the bit that you want to explore deeper for the setting that you're in and then start to think even deeper about that so I just think that the layout of the book really helps you to understand some of the really important messages um, and, and the evidence behind those messages is really clear and um, just um, just really feels like something that can support any teacher in uh, in those those habits for, for our students um, and for them to to be successful so um that's sort of a little bit behind why we chose the book um but as i say essentially just to be able to talk to you again harry so i'm gonna um sort of hand over to you if that's okay now talk a little bit more about the book yourself and then uh, look forward to look forward to talking about some of the ideas 
Cool, brilliant. Thank you uh, very much. It's really nice to be back. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation last time, which is why I thought uh, I should 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 uh, should come and see you guys again. Um, I think my my sort of it's it's worth framing why I wrote the book and what I was trying to do with it, and it comes down to the, a couple of sort of I hope fairly um, compelling reasons. So one is that we've just spent somewhere between five to ten years depending on how early you jumped on jumped on the bandwagon thinking about cognitive science and saying well actually it's not don't just go in and talk at the students and hope they pick stuff up there's there's like people have researched this and there are ways to do this really effectively or more effectively and those are worth knowing um and i didn't feel that we'd applied the same sort of research from behavioral science to the way we deal with students because you know how you present whatever it is you're trying to present is crucial but for a student who's disinterested not trying not in school hasn't done their homework actually often your presentation doesn't have the the desired impact and so how we help students to engage with get the most out of uh, our lessons and form positive habits i think is is crucial and my sense is is that that is stuff that tends to be passed on by sort of apprenticeship, you know, go and observe so-and-so, he's really good with behaviour, you know, try this, try that, such and such works for me, have you tried doing the other? And there's a lot of value in, in doing those things, but actually if researchers have literally dedicated their lives to finding ways to do this more effectively or to, to look at problems of how do you help people to, to, you know, form good habits or behave appropriately under pressure or whatever it is, those are things that are worth, um, knowing and so yeah that, that was kind of the, the big thing that informed those those two ideas cognitive science behavioral science and, and getting beyond tips and tricks were the two things that informed the book and i then spent three two and three quarter years wrestling with the evidence while also wrestling with my son uh which definitely informed those thinking like you know forming habits cues responses you know why is he throwing his food on the floor again um definitely informed that uh, of trying to work out what does the evidence say, what does that mean for teachers, and then making it usable. Uh, and that ended up looking like a, a, a five-step model around specifying the, the habit that, I, that, um, that you think is going to make the most difference or the small step that a student could take tomorrow, inspiring and motivating students to um, act towards that step. And that is primarily to do with... Um, uh either I mean, yeah sure we tell students why we want them to do things but more to do with can we convey that in a more compelling way so for example offer them a solution as a solution to a problem rather than just up front here's something that you should do and looking at social influences like social norms and role models that actually people do things that they see other people and people they admire do uh, and that's something worth worth thinking about when we talk to our students and um, then planning a commitment and saying well, okay when like okay you've got this you've got your homework when are you going to do it what time who's going to be there where's your phone going to be who are you going to shirt to when you're finished and all these things that hopefully um will make it more likely students act on their good intentions making the first step easy so that stuff like models and just sort of smoothing the path by saying well, look this is just like what we did yesterday or whatever it is and then finally following up because nothing sticks first time and often doesn't stick second or third or fourth time um, and yeah, then then there's a, a chapter about, you know, if you're working with teachers, how you help teachers to change, because teachers are humans too and respond to many of the same incentives, although not all of them. Um, and yeah, then sort of trying to stick that together and often checklists and examples and case studies to make it uh, make it usable. And, and so you stick it together, you get a framework that I could simplify, specify, inspire and motivate, plan the commitments, uh, initiate action and follow up. And yeah, I mean that that's that's it basically. That's absolutely brilliant. And um, and what I'm um what we've got from that model, um, as I was saying before, with the, with our own homework model that we are really interested in um, trying to develop. So and, and an excellent practitioner, uh, Josh Burr, who's with us at the moment, is um is offering a CPD on on how we can improve the the intake of homework, and, and this is at his go-to um to set up the processes. And um straight away when when listening to, to Josh talk, um first the first time he introduced it, I hadn't read the book by this point. And um, and it was just um, what he's saying just really makes sense. And then he introduced where he's getting it from. I sort of read around um, some of that material. And 
And the, the idea of um, sort of specifying what that change is going to be, um, what we've done for our students is we've um, introduced a, an after school session, which is a compulsory session for students who regularly haven't been able to engage for whatever reason with their homework. Um, and then the inspire and motivate is about those individual conversations then um, that we're all expected to have with those students in terms of the importance of the homework, but also trying to learn more personally about so what are the barriers for you and what can we do to support as well and, um, and sort of just enjoying some of those conversations with them. Um, also, before we then um, ask them in a session, in a first session, to commit to an action about specifying what time of day are you going to do. So, as you say in the book, it's not about just saying, oh, I'm going to do it after, after tea, but it's, it's like, how specific can we be here? Can we say that before you have your dinner at four o'clock every Thursday, you are going to sit down and you're going to do this rather than, oh, I'll do it tonight. And, and that bit from the book for us was like, that was the real win um, because so many of our students now with that, um, how specific that is for them has really helped us with that. Um, and then just um, sort of making the start easy by having that session, but getting them all logged on and just having a session where we're not going to do the homework um, so much as set out that when are we going to do it and this is how we log on and just make sure that all the blocks are clear. The sessions this term have been so smooth for students that you would think are, are quite disaffected. They're actually um, looking particularly motivated, many of them, to, to want to do more. And um, so it has had a, a real positive impact. It's, it's not perfect. There's still things that we need to do and there's still things we're refining. But yeah, it's been a wonderful um, improvement that we've seen this term and I attribute a lot of that to the work Josh is doing and to the, to the book that has been used to, to set that up. But in terms of that model, I didn't know if there's anything specifically, first of all, that you wanted to suggest that, that maybe um, you heard there and thought, well, I'm not sure if I would think that that fits what I'm suggesting, or maybe I'd add this, I'd build on this, I disagree, I want to challenge with that. Uh, no, I don't think there's anything you're missing. And I think that that commitment stage is looming larger and larger in my mind as, as being really the key thing that takes us from, oh, yeah, Dave, of course, I'll get that done to you. To like, oh, yeah, Dave, I'll get that done to you because I'm going to do it in period two when I've got a free and I'll let, let you have it by the end of the day. And that makes, when I say that, it really changes how I feel about it and how I approach it and what I think I've committed to. Um, so yeah, you know, let me have a think about that. But yeah, let me have a think about that and get back to you today. I guess it might be interesting that, to hear, to think more about like, what is what is the follow-up um, and what what is gonna help? Because uh, it's, I mean, it's yeah, it sounds like you've put a load of good, processes in place that that hopefully cumulatively will have an effect but just we get tired well some of us never get into habit in the first place and even when we do we get tired so what is it that's um maintaining that motivation showing students they're making progress showing students that it is worthwhile some of that can just be stuff in in lessons of like okay that was the right answer how did you get that oh is it from doing your homework great fantastic um but potentially also i've sort of come around to this having always hated them uh, but sort of reward points of some form. I mean, I do detest them because I just think learning is a good thing and you should just do it because learning is good. But actually realising the evidence is pretty unambiguous that done well, rewards can help students form habits, help, help anyone form habits. So it is worth thinking about what, what you're offering and, and what makes it feel worthwhile. Oh, lovely. I'm, I'm looking, I'm listening to that and I'm hearing um, with, the, with our follow-up, um, of course, that's going to be our next steps, I think, is this is quite early into um, the, the process. But um, what I'm um, sort of seeing from, from what Josh is doing uh, with us is um, is on page 130, which Emma um, also said that she's got in, in her, her school up on her walls, which I just think yeah. um, is, is wonderful. It's, um, it's a checklist for how we can encourage teachers to change. Um, and, uh, and I can see um, that follow-up for the students sort of being within us as well so um, that commit to an action as teachers we're expected to just make that one call to that one student maybe hasn't engaged quite as well this week and then there is this um sort of suggested scripts it's not prescriptive but it's uh, these are the three things that you could ask within that phone call um that would just um support in terms of engaging that student a little bit more in their homework so um i think then what do we do next if we still got um those um, students that maybe aren't as uh, motivated um what is our follow-up what do we need to do next but yeah no thank you harry that's um it's wonderful i don't want to hog any um anything and everything but um yeah i i just really got so much out of that already just thank you so much for that i've got um harry i've got a question from uh, thinking about about the content of the book and, and specifically the habit forming so much of that we do in, in schools and colleges and, and my current setting is is a sixth form college but so much we do in, in all age ranges is 
developing habits through the sort of structures and the systems that we put into place at a college level, whether it's the timetable, the way that we greet teachers or the way that we move around the building, all those different things we have, we set in place through our sort of structures and also through the social norms that we have. And that's why changing a school is much, much harder than kind of keeping a school moving on a, on a positive way. It, it, thinking about that sort of systematic change across the whole culture, is there something that particularly stands out to you as, as effective? I think the most powerful thing, the most powerful thing or th single thing is just to look at organizations, structures, routines, whatever they are, through this habit lens. It's like, what is the cue? What is the response? What is the reward? Which sounds very behaviorist and, and, and is behaviorist in a sense. Um, but I mean, there's this line, I don't know who it comes from, with this idea that like, every system is perfectly designed to achieve the outcomes that it achieves um, so if you find that your interactions with some element of you know local government or the health service or whatever are are satisfying or frustrating or whatever they are like someone sat and said we could do it this way but or hasn't thought about and has just allowed slide we could do it this way but for the convenience of our staff or because of our capacity or whatever we're going to do it that way um and so looking to you know like if uh if, start, if, if staff briefing always starts late, like at some point that is a thing that has become a thing and we've allowed it to become a thing and we've allowed that to continue. And so asking ourselves like, okay, what, like, what am I doing? What signals are being sent? What routines have we fallen into? And which ones that might not matter? Maybe we, staff briefing doesn't need to be that long and it's time for everyone to catch up, in which case, fine. Um, but to give you a really concrete outside school example and to, to talk about my son bless him again um you know when when children are first introduced to foods he's three and a half now and they don't want things they're like how can i convey that i don't want the this i'm going to throw it on the floor or whatever um and i was because i was in the room writing this book i was like well okay if i pick up the thing every time and just put it back on in front of him I'm conveying a like, every time you throw stuff around, I'm going to pick it up for you. And actually, uh, there's, there's kind of, you want to bring in some Emmanuel Kant here around like, is this is this what you would want to be true for everyone and ever uh, all the time? Probably not. And so I was like, you know, one barely had any words was like, the spoon has to go on the table. And he like put the spoon up after enough hassle, put the spoon on the table. And so in the same way, it's asking like, yeah, what what habits have we fallen into? And how can we change them? And I think this, this, you know, there's a little chapter at the end on, on how we change habits and things like using breaks in the context. So new colleagues coming in, change of term, change of half term, change of, okay, we've got to do a room swap anyway. All of these are really good opportunities to say. And when we do, all staff are going to be on the door for students moving around the corridor rather than sorting out their lessons and so on is that i've sort of rambled at you so then you have that strike a chord yeah no it is it is useful and i think it's, it's particularly difficult so i think changing habits across a system is really different different to changing habits in an individual but i think some of the same some of the same cues some of the same thought processes can go into place and, and really and engender that change develop that change and it's interesting just as you you were talking and dave was talking i was beginning to think about that and, and as you say, using changes, we've potentially got a change in our timetable. We might tweak a few things and that might be a way to develop a little bit of change. And talking about Dave, as Dave mentions and homework, a challenge that we've got, and maybe it's a, I think everybody in leadership at the moment likes to say it's a post pandemic problem because we can kind of let it slide. But, you know, in terms of handing work in at, at sixth form level is, is proving to be a real challenge and trying to engender habits to reinforce that and get us back in the way just, just made me think about that. So no, it's it, it's really useful and and I think poses a lot of questions in terms of how can we structure. I think the thing that really resonated to me was the outcome of the product for the system. You know, we're getting what we deserve based on the system that we've built, and it's it's how we modify that. So no, that was really useful. Thank you. Yeah, and that that point about specificity: the bigger the system, the smaller the thing you're going to be able to do to get everyone. So if you're working with one student, actually one small habit like handing your homework in isn't wildly ambitious. I want to make sure the homework's good and it's neat. And it's, if I'm looking at like 2000 students across a college, are they, like, are they in the right place at nine o'clock? And if so, that's a win. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, so 
picking our battles uh, accordingly. But I think what's what's nice and what I often try and convey to staff when you're talking about big changes, you don't have to change everyone. You don't even have to change half the people. You just need to change some of the people a tiny bit and the whole curve shifts a little bit. Yeah. And that's when you get real change because the culture at that point shifts and it becomes a, a change in itself and embedded. But yeah, it can be, as you say, when you're changing what we've got, 1700 students, you know, when you're trying, it's trying to get there, that's when I need to give it a lot more thought, I think. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, now I'll just add one more thing, which is a story that I was told about a school sort of back in the day in London trying to improve behaviour and improve various things. They decided to start with uniform, which you can agree or disagree with. But they were like, OK, like the first three weeks, we're just going to do shoes. We're going to be on the on the gate and look at shoes. We're going to have a box of spare shoes and everyone is going to be wearing the right shoes. And after three weeks, you've nailed shoes. And they're like, OK, we're going to look at ties or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but actually that that's the small tweak and you're conveying a new message about what's needed. Um, sorry, I'm banging on, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I, what I, what I kept seeing as well in, in looking at your book, Harry, and you mentioned it there too, but it's, it's about being really precise and specific, isn't it? About that clarity, not just having an open statement of, you know, we want, we want our students to follow the uniform policy better, or we want our students to complete their homework. Um, what exactly do you want? And while this, you might have all of these things in that journey, you know, if, if I'm going to use this language, because because it is, isn't it? If we're thinking this is where we are now, that's where I want to get them to. And I can't do it all in one go. It's you. You mentioned that, don't you, about the highest leverage actions to do right now or the biggest wins that we know we can get that positive buy in from. But then if that bit has happened, it'll hopefully be easier to to keep them motivated, to, to keep moving with it as well, because they'll see the impact of that. And then we can we can move a little bit more together. I uh, that's what I was reading from it anyway. That's, yeah, I think two, two things spring to mind from that. There, there was a line and I cut it. I cut some of the reviewers of the book were like, oh, I don't really like this line. So I cut it, which I kind of now resent, uh, but at least I can I can mention it. Um, and it came from a book. It was a book called How to Win Campaigns. And so it's for people trying to... Um, you know, it's an environmentalist writing it, but you know, if you want, if you are trying to build a social campaign, um, and one of his things is you need a really clear goal. And the way he says it is like, it's a goal that you must be able to photograph or at least imagining photographing. Um, and, and he's got this lovely line that like, if, you, if it's something that can't be photographed, um, it, it's not something you're gonna be able to achieve and it probably doesn't exist. Um, and so if you want to build a collaborative culture, like those are nice words, but I don't know what that means. If you want to build this culture in which teachers sit down for 20 minutes every day, have a cup of tea, have the chance to talk to each other about how things are going and help out with tomorrow's lesson plans. Now I'm like, I can take a picture of that and that's probably real and that's something we can work towards. And I think particularly if for those of us in, in leadership or thinking about leadership uh, or leading students, whoever it is, being able to communicate in that way that you can have the same picture in your mind that I have like if you can't do that it's definitely not going to work and I see this a lot in you know plans whether written by schools or organizations you know we do this that and the other like how what exactly am I going to see and until you've said that I yeah probably doesn't exist and um, second thing so then that, that I took from what you were saying I, I think you're talking about initiating a virtuous cycle I think that's really powerful both for the teacher and the students so the students oh I've done this extra bit of work and that's been helpful so I'm now five percent more favorable to the next bit of work that crops up and for the teacher I've you know I've pulled on this lever something's actually happened and I can take this class in the direction that I want them to go I'm, I'm not just going to be stuck becoming increasingly resentful as the year goes on yeah and I think you mentioned um a bit like that earlier as so if we can say to them that you've done your homework. Ah, oh, look at this, you can now do that because it was in your homework the other day. And I think in our session with Adam Boxer, when we were talking about retrieval quizzes and utilizing that, and he was saying about linking your retrieval quizzes in with the homework and being really explicit about that. Absolutely. You've got these questions on your homework. I'm gonna test you on them at the beginning of our lessons this week. Your homework will help you to be successful in that. And then when students can see that link between the two and the power behind that, then you get more buy-in moving forwards yeah. rather than just going through a process. And the, the evidence on self-efficacy, it's like, what, what is the single biggest source of 
positive self-efficacy judgments it's personal mastery experiences followed by um vicarious experience seeing others do it and then followed by persuasion like if i've done it before you say you can do this i have to be pretty cussed it will happen sometimes i have to be pretty cussed to say i can't do it and i'm not going to do it and and so it's it's creates you know building more and more blocks that we can then say hey done, done this the last five times you can do this you can do maths just you know stop fussing and answer the questions if you don't need to raise your hand honestly come on in Thanks, Ray. Um, I'm, I'm just um, I'm absorbing all of this and, and reading. Um, I'm rereading the, the the text that's in front of me. And, um, and and my next natural question when I listen to all that is: so so how do we decide on those very specific things? What is it um, in the classroom that that are the habits that we need to um, maybe sort of reform or break or, or change? And um, and and your checklists are just so um, specific in your book as well that really support the reader to to make those um, informed changes um, and to have something really concrete to hold on to. And like you were saying with the shoes and then the ties, well, um, in this book to, to see how can we convince students to learn, to just look at your classroom and to think, is it that the students don't think it's worth the effort or is it that they don't see the value in the learning or is it that they don't aspire? And then you have these um, bullet points where we can do these things, we can make it personal, we can encourage students to avoid losses with those um, sort of speech, uh, speech marks, those sentences that we can then take in specifically um, to try. Um, I think that's what makes the book so powerful is how specific it is um, for the classroom teachers. So um, the ideals, they all sound great. The discussion, it sounds wonderful. My next question is how do we do it? But it's all there. And um, I was wondering if there's any sort of the, the sort of stand out for you specifically in terms of um, this is a particularly important one, or this is one that's come up lots in my thinking, or maybe there's, there's something with, with how we sort of motivate students that, that you think teachers sometimes miss or that we could be reflecting upon. I didn't know if there's anything when writing this book that stood out as like your core or your, your sort of, you know, the, the, the regular ideas, specific ideas that came through. Uh, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. So I find it really helpful. I do mention in the book this, this idea of organising our thinking around endemic challenges. Like there are some things that no matter how long you've been a teacher and how good you are, will always be difficult and it will always be difficult for example to focus the attention of 30 students with individual dreams hopes desires wishes whatever else on one object at once and therefore that's a thing that is worth like trainers thinking about researchers researching about and us discussing whereas there are other things that are less you know like how you challenge a student who's given the best answer imaginable and what you do next is a lovely problem to have and it's something worth thinking about but it's never like not many teachers are going to get, get get to the end of the day and be like i wish i had a solution to that problem and that's going to ruin my next lesson and so actually once we look at it in those terms i think we can boil it down to, to just a handful of things like you know our teachers our students there are they attending to what's going on like listening are they trying and then are they working together uh on that or working increasingly independently uh, and that's clearly, you know, clearly there's lots of different pieces of, of that and how I'd get them to work on a um, math problem independently is different from how I might get them to read a text. But the fundamental issues are, are, are pretty core, like, you know, are they looking out the window or are they looking at the, the book or whatever it is? And then tied to that is this idea of just sequencing, of like tackling one thing at a time. Um, so until you can ask students and successfully get them all to be quiet and listen to each other i wouldn't worry too much about whether they're working independently because they're not listening to you or the instructions you know the, the chance of them working successfully independently are pretty slim um but then once you've got that it's like how quickly can i leave that behind while kind of also maintaining the success that i've achieved and now get them working increasingly independently so yeah if you know if 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 you're a teacher or if you're working with a teacher who's struggling it's what is the first challenge that, that that's going to enable further success and so that's absolutely brilliant because it's, it's that sequencing that i think is the the thing that we really need to take the the care and the consideration over so where are we in that journey and then what is the next highest leverage thing that's going to make that impact um, is it all right if I take you back to that homework a little bit, just listening to what you're saying there, because it's, it's a real project that we're doing here and it's uh, we're, we're seeing measurable success. Um, and, and you talk a lot in the book um, about the, the homework as, as like examples and things, but just to try and sort of understand a little bit more specifically what we can 
be doing there because as I, I listen to that, it's the attendance um, and the attentiveness, the trying, um, and, and there are different students who are at different sort of pathways, um, and, and we're having those sort of different conversations. And, and because we're not always sort of there with them, it's it's homework, and so of course they'll be they'll be at home or they'll be doing this in in another place, and um, and it's um, it can sometimes be quite challenging to to break those habits um when you're not there is there any advice that you could give sort of homework specific around some of the, the the specific advice you give in this book because because that's the thing we're really grappling with at the moment and interesting your thoughts on that so we've talked about this planning um when when they're going to do it and i think you've, you've said you're already working on that i guess part partly then potentially it's the link to reminders so actually is there a reminder on your phone that's going to going to ping up to do that I think where you can draw in um, parents and other family members, that's very much a force multiplier. And uh, one of the interesting findings that comes up quite often in research in, in terms of parental involvement, parental engagement is um, almost all parents want to help their students, but not all parents know how to. And particularly if as students are moving up through the school, it becomes less and less likely that my knowledge from my own schooling is going to be to help whatever my child has, has uh, taken an interest in uh, and actually if you can say and so now that's where you then get you know the kid comes home and they're like what have you got to do I've done it all and so actually any way of communicating either directly from the school or from the students um, you know Johnny should be working from 4 till 4.30 on or like for half an hour today on his retrieval practice on X makes it a lot easier for the parent to then turn around and say this is you know when when have you put in your half hour show me the thing that you've done and this is something that the um eef did some trials with the behavioral insights team and it was tricky because different teachers were trying to get students doing different things at different times but it did seem to be showing positive results um and, and there were lots of different studies I, I talk about them a little bit in the book but the the signs were pretty positive that 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 could help um, and then yeah it's this follow-up you know if I don't do my homework and I come in and it doesn't get checked or I get away with it maybe I won't do it next time and so a like how quickly can we pick it up and then b what we were talking about a little bit earlier in terms of positive reinforcement like do I see the homework having an impact there and then in the lesson now we tail wagging the dog if we say to teachers the next lesson must build on the homework because you might want them to do something long term that isn't immediately relevant but the more as teachers we can reinforce like this is valuable and this is valuable now and it's great that you've done it da -da 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 -da. i think yeah the better potentially i don't know if that that adds anything feel free to come back at me if, if not no, it's absolutely really, it's just made me think of one very specific thing um, that, that maybe we're not doing in terms of um, how specific we are. And we are really specific with the students. Um, we want you to um, now say when you're going to do your home, we give them an element of choice, but um, we want you to say that at 4.30 before you have your dinner, this is where you're having it. And um, and we have their sort of, um, I wouldn't call it a contract, but it was something at the beginning that we got them to write out and say, um, this is what I'm, I, I'm going to be doing um, through this process. Uh, but actually there's conversation with parents as well to rather than say, oh, they will have their, their homework and we use the platform Hegarty Maths for our maths homework, rather than um, using Hegarty Maths um, and having it done by Tuesday to say to the parents, we expect them to do half hour on the Tuesday, half hour on the Wednesday, half hour on the Thursday, and we expect them to come with us to a question on the Friday lunchtime. Um, just being specific, whatever that's going to look like, is also going to support the parents and support those students too. So, so that's just something straight away. I mean, that's what this is all about, isn't it? Taking your literature and thinking, what do we do in the classroom? Straight away, I'm taking something away from that. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, Emma, you've raised your hand. I would love to bring you in, if that's okay. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to steal a moment to say thanks. Um, and I've um, been using a lot of page 130, which uh -huh. is classroom more. And I think it goes back to what Dave was saying about um, talking to students but talking to parents and actually I found a lot of your kind of prompt questions really really valuable with talking with teachers because um, we're in the middle of developing a whole kind of new teaching and learning structure and actually how do you convince teachers to change um, and I increasingly realise that teachers are much like students 
Um, and they're not all super keen beans like me that kind of love teaching and learning. And some of them are really not that interested. Um, and actually some of these things about asking teachers about the barriers to students learning and kind of really bringing it to be really student focused. Um, thinking about, uh, honestly, I use some of your prompts all the time, like, can we try this for one lesson? And then we'll talk about how you got on that do now activity that we're kind of rolling out. Um, but I just think kind of that also that being really specific about that change, because, you know, I kind of got this whole model in my head and I'm like, let's just do everything, you know, classic teacher learning lead over here. Um, but actually for classroom teachers with all that kind of cognition going on every day of all the students they're teaching day in, day out, that making sure there's not too many things, how we make it that lasting change. Um, and for some teachers, that kind of immediate little win as well. Um, so yeah, I just want to say basically that I love the whole book um, student wise, but I have absolutely found this like a godsend in the last couple of um, we just lost the end of that, but that, that I mean, that is really, really good to hear. Um, what that makes me think is I increasingly believe that the idea of the curse of the expert is probably is one of the most useful concepts in thinking about schools. And I think it's it's yeah, I mean, it's just as applicable to us as, you know, senior leaders, middle leaders, whatever we are, as it is when thinking about our teachers, as it is when thinking about working with our students. And I think tied to that, we're. we're we're terrified, well, I'm terrified of patronising colleagues. Um, and as a result, sometimes we we say, we leave things quite vague because we don't want to sit down and say, well, and now I want to talk through about exactly when and where we're going to do this. Um, but I think there are ways and ways to, A, like many colleagues are probably sitting there being like, what the hell is he on about? And like, you know, what am I meant to do? And if you don't spell it out, you're not doing them a favour. But B, there are very like nice consensual ways of, you know, let's talk about what exactly we think this looks like when we think a fair deadline to, to do this would be and, and so on um but yeah i think that it's it's essential to to making change work and so the more we shrug off that expertise and just sort of see our colleagues and our students as you know like ourselves just confused human beings trying to navigate through the easier we make it for everyone to change and it's you know those granular actionable steps once again coming back to being specific and, and you mentioned earlier as well didn't you Harry when, it, when when we're working with our colleagues as well the sequence of looking at the whole picture and thinking what things can we look at you developing and us working on now to to help to improve and, and move on to the next ones because there's nothing worse than somebody coming back and saying oh I, you know it'd be good to work on your pace in that lesson yeah. I can't take it. And I'm going to go back to what you mentioned earlier. Can I take a picture of that? I can't take a photo of pace. What does that mean? And if somebody's hearing that, then they become understandably, they'll, they'll, they'll hear things less and less and they'll just carry on doing what they do and think whatever. And, and, and that's not helpful, is it? But being specific and and being supportive and, and having those granular actionable steps is, is helpful at all levels. And I've been so reassured, Emma, by you saying that, saying that you're using these approaches, because I'm thinking, well, I've got this at lots of different levels. One, how I'm working with colleagues. Two, how I'm working with students. And, and also how I think about my own children. So <laughs> I can thank you from all yeah. of those different levels, Harry, because reading so much of this, I have two teenagers at the moment and one that will be a teenager one day. And it is just, it's invaluable. And when you're reading it, you think to yourself, oh, it makes sense. But until it's been written down and, and somebody like you has, has looked at the research and distilled it and brought it together in a way that is more, it more digestible for somebody for somebody like me that it's more palatable for me to be able to read and understand it um then it does seem a little bit nebulous and uh, difficult to to get a hold of what it's actually saying so thank you from all of those different levels because those are the different um angles i've been coming at it from yeah so the so same taleb who i have enormous respect for and love his writing but he's got this this thing that like anything a psychologist will tell you is grandmother wisdom uh, and it's something or it's not true uh and and it, so you can find it like in in like the torah or the greek and the roman classics or you know the vedas or, or wherever it is and therefore ignore the psychologists um 
and and although I think you know he was one of the early ones to sort of hit up how inaccurate some research psychology is, I think it is we need to have it structured because there like if if you sat down and interviewed your ten most experienced colleagues, they would probably tell you if you stuck it all together, ninety nine percent of what's in the book. The trouble is, I think particularly for for, for new colleagues, unless and until someone has done that and put it all in one place and given you a clear model. It's it's just it's tacit knowledge, uh, and again the the curse of the expert kicks in. Um, it's really interesting what you said about about parenting, and this I hear this occasionally, and and part of me is like actually re rewrite the book with just like parenting examples. It's it's going to go for the mass market, and I'm going to make gazillions. I'm quite reticent to do that while I've still only got a three year old, uh, because I'm basically I'm going to do it, and then it's going to like bite me, and I'm going to be like I thought I knew all the answers, and now he's fourteen, and you know stealing cars or whatever he's going to plan on doing uh so but you know the long run but i think it is yeah it's 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 about it's, it's written for teachers because that's kind of what all my work and is but it's it's about dealing with humans i think you've just outlined there a whole series that you could do though harry off the back of this you could do you could do the different ages that that it, they're uh, tracking your son yeah. as he goes up through <laughs> but and then no. you'll have to buy each one yeah, absolutely. And and see the full thread, see it as it see it as it grows and develops. You are muted. Yeah. That's always people's favorite um Classic. A favourite for me to be on is on, is on mute in a meeting. Um I'm also mindful that we are so fortunate to have you here but that you are leaving us at 20 minutes past five. So it's just um, making sure that I don't forget that when that's why I verbalized it and said it out loud. And I wondered if it was okay um, just to make the most of the last few minutes. And I know it's a little bit earlier, Luke, but if we, could we bring your takeaway in now for when Harry's in the room and then we can continue wider discussions afterwards uh, once he's left. So change it slightly like we did in the last session. That would be brilliant if that's okay with everybody else. No, no, I'm really happy to do that. And it's it's been so interesting to sort of pick up the threads from, from Harry's book and the chapter we're focusing on, and then sort of see them through the lens of different people's experiences and different people's questions. And that's where different aspects of it on first reading, you, you, you what resonates with you is what resonates with your practice or resonates with particularly acute experiences in your teaching development where something went went wrong or you had a, a really difficult class or whatever it might be. That's that's the first reading where you pick out, but it's in these discussions where you get a sense of what other people are seeing and feeling that you get more of a sort of nuanced or, or, or wider view of it as well. Um, and it's interesting. So, so what I was trying to do is, is take notes as we went and highlight the things that had come to me that I was aware of, but hadn't really seen in the context of this. And I'm really interested in the idea of habit, habit change and, and that sort of personal development, but seeing them in a classroom and a systems basis is particularly interesting. I, I want to come back to that idea of systems um, and the, uh, what you said, Harry, about viewing the outcome as the product of the system. And I think that's something that I'll really take away is going back to SLT meetings, going back to the areas that I'm leading and what I'm trying to develop across the college to say, OK, well, what we've got is a product of its of our system in the same way only a fool does the same thing twice and accept a, expect a different result and really look at it in terms of developing and reinforcing and supporting habits. So that's one big thing that I'll, I'll take away. And the second is that really nice idea that you, you talked about and then Rhiannon, you know, reiterated there in terms of the pace of the lesson is that idea of taking a photo of it. You know, and if you're trying to develop habits around a specific action, but you're not being really clear and, and specific about what that action actually looks like, you're more describing it as an emotion. And that's often what we do. Then then I don't think we're really doing doing this, the, a service to the action that we're expecting to see. And I think as well, working with younger people and progressively younger, younger people as we go down, I think we really do miss that how important the clarity of language is and especially in this context of building habits so those were the two things that 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 really stood out to me but I wanted to finish just by where you picked up in the start and I think that we have really looked at and reframed our, our teaching and learning work certainly in our college and I know in other colleges about cognitive science but actually now it's underpinning that with the behavioral science I think that that impacts what's happening in the classroom and then leading that into how teachers are thinking and working, how students are thinking and working, and also how parents are thinking and working, and that it's habits across those three different domains that, that really result in, in affecting and lasting change. So they were, they were my takeaways, the, 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 um, the systems, the clear communication about outcomes, and that sort of behavioural science. That's what I was going to take away. Harry, I don't know if, they, if I've completely missed the point, but at this point you can sort of 
put your head in your hand those no those those are three things that i think are crucial and i think uh, to 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 sort of uh, edge towards a close on an uplifting note um the the the, the i think that the like the, your average lesson in an english school is better planned more around people learn how people learn than it was five or ten years ago um and the the challenge and and the work that I'm doing with individual schools now is really interesting around that is that in the process it's got like harder for students and sometimes a bit less exciting because definitely for me as a new teacher it was like put all the bells and whistles on and engage the students and clearly there were loads of problems with that approach what we then said is make the education incredibly rigorous for students which is great and sometimes they're just sitting there and they're like oh you know it's it's all passing over me and I think if we can bring the cognitive and the behavioral together then actually we end up with really rigorous learning that is really draws students in and builds good habits for them and then I'm hopeful that we can achieve even better things for our students so so I'm really glad you picked up on that because I think bringing bringing those two together could be incredibly powerful that's fantastic thank you so much Harry um well Apps. It's been an incredible session and I know we'll be talking about this afterwards and for a lot longer as well and and keep referring back to it because when you, as you said, we've gone so far in our in, in, in the way that we're working, the way that we're thinking with one aspect of what we do, but there is this huge other part of it as well, which is which is the people we're working with as well, isn't it? And, and how to work with the people and not just the theories about it as well. So a huge, huge thank you from me and our members. And I know Dave will want to come in and say thank you too. Yeah, just a massive thanks, Harry, for, um, well, as, as you probably heard throughout um, that, I, I just love your book. I have this real lens on this is what I'm doing in the classroom. This is how it can sort of help what, what our journey looks like. So, so to be able to reflect um, personally with you and, and work out what we need to do to progress um, in our setting, um, and hopefully that's been helpful for others too, but it's been absolutely wonderful for us um, and, uh, and for you to give up your time just to talk about um, the book, um, to talk about your thoughts behind sort of why it's written and, and to help us really understand that better so we can do an even better job in, in what we're doing um, as practitioners. Um, we are very lucky to have you writing such stuff and just thank you so much for doing it. Well, I really enjoy the book club. So it was a, a really fun, stimulating bunch. And I came back to get asked good questions, uh, but it's an honour to be invited back. Uh, it shows you didn't screw up too badly uh, first time. So I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. And I'll uh, look forward to seeing you for the next book. Oh, excellent. We've got that recorded, so you can't go awesome. back on that one. <laughs> thank you ever so much, Harry. Oh, thanks, guys. Well, it, he has said it now. It's in the session. He said he will come back for his next book, which I think will be absolutely cracking. So much to take away there. And I, I know we're still recording, um, and if that's okay with everybody, I think it might just be nice to just capture um, some reflections and some thoughts about what Harry was able to share, because I know people are still in the room and they might have something else that they'd like to add to it. I mean, I'll, I'll quite happily um, share some of it, but um, I don't want to sort of take the, the time because I'd, I'd like to give other people opportunity. I talked so much to him um, there, but for me, it's just being specific. Um, just very, I'm going to be very specific with, with my little takeaway there. Luke, I think you might have had something you wanted to share as well, possibly. Only, only very briefly, I think it, it's my comment. I've got to scoot away as well, I'm afraid now, but but it was. it's been really interesting to you know certainly I found I don't get as much chance to reflect on teaching and learning and, and bring in a sort of systems approach as, as I'd like to and so this session has been particularly helpful for that I've made all my notes and I've got I've got things to take away with me so it is just to say thanks ever so much I think irrespective of the phase of learning that you're at and, and like I said being at a sixth form college now things are just as relevant it's the same things the same habit building homework whether it's handing notes in or, or doing a specific structured year seven homework it's the same things that come up and I and I think that these messages are super important so Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm sorry I've got to rush off, but I do really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the next one. No, thank you. It's been absolutely brilliant having you here. You take care, Luke, and we'll get you back for Harry's next book as well. Will thank do. you. Off you go. Um, and I didn't know if anybody else wanted to share anything um, before I end the session for this afternoon. It's been absolutely brilliant. Oh, Justin, it would be fantastic. Um, please join us in our discussions. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to say it's nice to be a parent in the changing times in the like the last seven years. 
because I've got a child of 20 and a child of 15 and the difference in teaching and speaking to teachers and generally just um, having having something out there that you can talk and discuss with teachers about their progress and stuff it it just changes the whole conversation so that's all I just wanted to say from that perspective thank you so much and um I, I didn't mention it at the time but but now you've said it I think for me some of my most powerful discussions around homework with parents at parents evening is when I've said to some sort of my year 11s, uh, for example, when I'll say to parents and they'll say, oh, what does my child need to do to help them prepare for their exams or whatever? And I'll say, what they need to do is their homework, because actually what I've done in um, the Hegarty platform is what we were using previously. You can do the same in Sparks, which is another program that we're using. Uh, we're using both in our schools is I've pre-programmed all of the areas that they found most difficult in the recent mocks and the, and the ones that I know are quite likely to come up in their exams. They're all pre-programmed in the system. So what they need to do is their homework. I've done that for them. They don't need to worry about the page they open on a revision guide or anything like that. They just need to engage really, really well with that homework and follow my advice on that one as well. And I think it, the more you can link things up and explain not just let's get your homework done, but the why and the rationale behind it, I think that helps to triangulate with the parents, the students and the teachers all at the same time. So thank you so much for that reflection, Justin. I think it's really important to, 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 that we recognize that as well. So unless anybody else had anything to share, then it, I'll just be thanking you all for such an amazing session. We were utterly, utterly thrilled to have Harry join us again this week. And then next week, we're joined by David Didow. Um, and so it'll be, it, it, for him, it's his second session with us as well. And so that'll be absolutely, oh, it, it, he has been such a huge support as well of our book club, and we cannot wait to have him back. So thank you so much for everybody joining us this afternoon. Dave, if you'd like to say it, I'll, I'll make sure I don't cut you off and, and give you an opportunity to thank everybody as well. And then I'll, I'll finish. Oh, that's it. Yeah, just to, to say a massive thank you to everyone. Um, and, and I know, um, you know, we'd all share our thanks in, uh, in for Harry um, in, uh, in what he's done. And yeah, likewise, we're really looking forward to David's session um, next week. So uh, and really thank you yourself as well for, for all that you've uh, done for us um, in hosting that fantastic session once more again today. Thank you very much, everybody. I'll stop the recording now. <laughs>